Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, we're going through the Old Testament, went through Genesis, now we're going through Exodus. I don't know how far this will go, I'm just asking the Lord to lead me and guide me. And, uh, but we're in Exodus chapter 17 this evening, and verse 1, the title of the message is, is, is Waterless in the Wilderness, Waterless in the Wilderness, Exodus chapter, chapter 17 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Raphidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide. The water of life, Lord, I pray, God, you fill us, fill us up, fill our cup, Lord, fill us to overflowing and help us, Lord, what is, what is overflowing spill out into people we meet, Lord, today, tonight, and this week, Lord, we may share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives. Help us to share it with those who do not have an inkling of what they're missing. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, listen to this this evening. <clears throat> Say you're having a hard day. Maybe you're having a hard day. Man, time change, right? <laughs> some, of, some of you struggled. Some of you had to have a couple, cu couple cups of coffee this morning. Some of you were, <clears throat> instead of worshiping this, this morning, might have been snoozing this morning. You might have been struggling. might have had to have a, a couple-hour nap just to make it through. But hopefully, if you had a bad day, this will help you realize that your day may be not quite as bad as this person. Consider the story of a bricklayer who was very, had a very bad day and was filing a claim with his insurance company. God help his soul when you're going through that. Here's what he said. 
I'm writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident reporting form. I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You said in, in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the day of, my, of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a 10-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. And rather than carry them down hand by hand, I decided to lower them to the ground in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the 10th floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went to the roof, lowered the 500 pounds of bricks, then went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block 11 that at the accident report, the form, that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to, due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. <laughs> Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the fifth floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and broken collarbone. I continued at my rapid ascent, not stopping until my fingers on my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 30 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in block number 11 of the accident report form. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building in the vicinity of the fifth floor. I met the barrel coming up again. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The second encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into a pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay on the bricks in pain and unable to stand, watching the empty barrel ten stories above me, I lost my presence of mind, and I let go of the rope. <laughs> Do you think you had a bad day? <laughs> Remember the brick layer. This poor soul had a bad day. Well, Israel was facing another bad day. They had had a few bad days. They were, black, they were blocked at the, red, at the Red Sea. They had bitter water to deal with. But, and they were, they were starving and hungry, and, but God provided bread from, Hannah, uh, from heaven. But God had enrolled, enrolled them, in, as I mentioned this morning, in the school of the hard knocks. He was teaching them class faith 101, trials and tribulations 401. And dear friend, you are enrolled in those classes whether you know it or not. <laughs> when, you, when you decided to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you enrolled. To be like Christ means to sometimes go through trouble. You say, why is that? Because Jesus went through trouble. He was denied by his closest friend, Peter. And if Jesus was denied by Peter, aren't, don't you think you're going to be going through some people denying you and not liking you? If Jesus was perfect, they didn't like him, they denied him. We are a little bit less than perfect, amen? <laughs> We're going to go through some troubles. And God 
in his sovereignty, gives us these examples that we read about in the Old Testament to learn about so they will help us in our lives. And Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happen to them for examples. They're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So God has some lessons for us. We go back to verse 1. All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After a journey according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, there was no water for the people to drink. So there was no water. We see the inventory, first of all, of the water. Maybe you woke up this morning not feeling so well. Maybe you woke up face down on the pavement. <laughs> or you call suicide prevention. They put you on hold. You see a 60-minute team waiting outside your office. Your twin sister forgets your birthday. Your horn goes off accidentally, remains stuck as you follow a Hells Angels motorcycle gang on the highway. Or you forgot time change again this year. <laughs> Maybe you're going through a difficulty like these children of Israel. They're going through a difficult time. God allows us to go through waterless times in the wilderness to develop us, to help us go, grow spiritually. And if we fail the lessons that he is trying to teach us, we have to learn them again. If you don't pass the, the math in first grade, you're probably going to struggle in second grade. If you don't get it in second grade, you're probably going to struggle in third and fourth and fifth. You have to learn the math. I had to take college algebra because I didn't get it in high school. I wish I'd have got it in high school. <laughs> but that's what God is doing in each of our lives. He's pruning us. He's helping us. The problems with if you have problems with people, the Lord may want to teach you lessons in patience, forgiveness, loving the unlovely, and becoming and becoming and, and overcoming anger and bitterness. Maybe you have problems with money. Maybe God's trying to teach you faith, trust, dependence on God, and tithing. If you have problems with your help, health, maybe He's teaching you lessons in prayer. Maybe you're having problems with failure. Maybe God's trying to teach you to over, overcome pride, develop humility, patience, learn importance of organization and hard work. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect. That word perfect means to be mature. God is trying to grow you up spiritually to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Dr. A.T. Pearson once wrote in a paper mill, what a contrast between the heap of filthy rags at one end, the pure and spotless white paper on the other end. At the trial, the rags go through before they emerge in this new form, torn to pieces and ground to pulp, bleached and chloride of lime, till all stains are removed, washed over and over, submitted to another, bleaching by action of chlorine and alum, washed again till the pulp is white as cream or snowflakes, caught upon a wire cylinder after the severe shaking by the foredriner. You can look that up. It's an interesting process, which crosses the fibers and, and gives a compactness and firmness to the fabric, then passed between the and around the hot surface, which makes the paper smooth and even. How like the divine disciple, which we are, <laughs> which we are, which go from filthiness to, by the grace of God, cleanness. But it's a process. Brother Clayton just talked about the process that God's been working in his life. It didn't happen in a day. 
didn't happen in a moment. Salvation happens in a second. The moment you recognize that you're a sinner on your way to hell and you ask by faith to, to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, that moment salvation happens. Boom, you're in the body of Christ. You're sealed to the day of your redemption. The Holy Spirit comes in your life. But that's like a birth. That's like a birthing of a child. You don't expect that little baby the first day to get up and say, hey, I need some steak and lobster, do you? Thank God. Because <laughs> when they become a teenager, they, you're definitely spending a whole lot more money than you were when they were a baby on baby food. No, it's a process of growth. And each of us are in the process of sanctification. God wants to grow you up. The question is, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you closer today with Jesus Christ than you were last year? Or are you putting up a roadblock? I'll serve Jesus, but I won't do this. Maybe God wants you to sing in a choir. No, I ain't singing in a choir. Maybe God wants you to be a Sunday school teacher. No, I ain't singing in a Sunday school. Maybe God wants you to pass out some tracks on a Saturday or come for a couple hours next week and uh, pick up, pull some weeds or clean, a, clean, a, clean something. In a I, no, I'm not going to do it. Dear friend, when you say no to God, then he stops his blessing on your life. He stops his working in your life. Until what happens? In his mercy and love, he brings trouble and problems and pain to humble us. Till we get to the point where we say, Jesus, I'll do anything. Because we recognize that he is the source of our strength. And without him, we can do nothing. And the sooner, Christian, you and I get to that place of saying, Lord Jesus, whatever, however, whenever, that's when we find perfect peace. But when you, we resist and say no and say, Lord, not your will, but my will, my kingdom come, not thy will, thy kingdom come, that's when we're in trouble. But you know when you have to do that? You say, preacher, is that one-time decision? It can be a one-time decision, but it's an everyday choice. Because Paul said, I die daily. Tomorrow morning as you get up, you're going to have to get up and die to yourself. You're going to die to your dreams, die to your plans, die to your goals, die to your wants, die to your feelings. Die to your feelings. Oh, I feel like, oh, dear friend, if you let feelings lead you, you will be doomed. Don't let your emotions, don't go through the emotional roller coaster of life. I feel like or I want to. No, dear friend, that's when you go back to the word of God and says, what does the Bible say? This is your anchor. And the anchor holds. That's why we say stick to the word of God. And then when you go from the word of God, you get counsel from men and women of God and ask them what, they should, what, what direction you should go. A baker prepares pies, bread, cakes, or cookies. Aren't you glad they, they do? For the process, though, of making something beautiful that we shouldn't eat, but we sure do want to. <laughs> ah, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 33, verse 11, they were removed from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of sin. They took their journey out of the wilderness of sin and camped in Dopaka. They camped in Dopaka and camped in Alush. 
And they moved from Elush and camped in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Interesting the definitions of these names of these places. Dophica means to knock or to beat. Elush means to knead as dough. Rephidim means to spread out, to rest or support. These things, these things are in our lives. We need, to be, we need to be knocked around and beat it a little bit, don't we? We need, to be, we need to be needed as dough. We need to be spread out and reset. We need that in our lives because we get comfortable, don't we? We get content in our Christian life, but God is trying to move us. What's he trying to move us to? Christ-likeness. You say, preacher, I'll never get there. No, you'll never get there in this life, but dear friend, we should strive after it. We should seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then when we're, when we're spread out too thin and we're knocked around too much, when we're tired and weary, then we go back to the words that we find in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is always there as our refuge in our time of need. So we see the inventory of water, but secondly, the indignation of Israel in verses 2 and 3. Wherefore the, peop the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. This word chide is the Hebrew word which means, it, it, it basically means strive, quarrel, being content, even litigation. He chided after Moses. I mean, even through the plagues of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of the red cloud, of the cloud and fire, purification of the bitter waters, provision of the, of the manna, all these things, Moses, by the grace of God and only by the strength of God, had led them through, and now they chide with Moses. They strive, they quarrel, they're in contention with. Oh, dear friend, when we get upset, when things aren't going in our way, when we begin to chide, when we begin to get upset and frustrated and angry, that is the very time we need to be careful about what we say. The Bible says in Proverbs 51, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Be careful about your, what you, when, you, when, you get, when you get upset, when there's no water, when you're used to getting, when you're used to having your way, when you're used to getting something you don't get. Be careful when you chide, when, when things aren't going the way you think they should go. Be careful. Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth the spirit than he that taketh the city. James 3, 2, For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Be careful what we say. Notice that people blame Moses and complain to him, but God was doing the leading. Remember? Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by, by night. This wasn't Moses leading them. This was God leading them. He was just God's representative on earth. It was God leading them. The Bible says in Psalm 78, verse 56, they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies. Psalm 78, 19, yea, they speak against God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? May I say to you, God can. God can provide a table in the wilderness. When the world says you can't, God can. When your flesh says you can't, God can. When the devil says you can't, God can. 
God can do abundantly, exceedingly above all you ask or think. God can. God can. Psalm 106, verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. That's what happened to us. Things don't go the way we think they should go. God goes a certain way. He moves things in our lives. He makes a way because we're not following our way. We're trying to follow his way. We get upset. We get angry. We get frustrated. And what do we do? We forget what God has done in the past. Hasn't God provided you in the past? Hasn't God protected you in the, pa- in, the, in the past? Hasn't God been there for you in the past? Is the God in the, fa- in the past, isn't he the same God in the present, the same God in the future? It's the same God. And with the God that you trusted for your salvation, the God that you trusted in your youth, when you were tempted and tried and gone through so much difficulty as a young Christian, it's the same God that's going to take care of you. Same God's going to take care of us in the future. When you're in the waterless wilderness, do you blame others for your problems or you, do you cry out to God? It's easy in the flesh to blame others because they're a physical presence. We can say it's their fault. We do, we, we do well at blaming, don't we? We love to because of physical presence. Oh, that person, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. Why not cry out to God and say, Lord, why is this happening? You say, why should I cry out to God? Dear friend, Jesus cried out to God on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Maybe you're going through a difficulty this evening or a trouble. Why not cry out to, to, to God instead of complaining about the circumstances, instead of being critical against leadership? Cry out to God and say, Lord, help me in this time of trouble. That's John chapter 4 and verse 14. Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give to him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing to everlasting life. This water that we drink trying to, trying to fix our temporal problems will thirst again. But dear friend, when you drink of that well that never shall run dry, you will never thirst again. The inventory of water, the indignation of the people, and thank God for the intercession of Moses in verse 4. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. Moses, who grew up in Egypt. Moses, who was 40 years the backside of the desert, tending sheep. Now he's there. God had used him. He made all type of excuses. Went back. God used him. The ten plagues that we know about. God allowed him to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land. And now... They're saying, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. <laughs> Moses, I mean, you, you had, you had, hey, it's a conspiracy theory, Moses. You really just brought us out here to kill us, didn't you? I'm sure if they had Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, they'd say, you know, it's Moses' fault. It's all Moses' fault. You know, Moses, he really didn't like us. He, he didn't love us. He, he, really, he doesn't really show his love, you know. He, he, he doesn't show his love. Oh, dear friend, Moses was being obedient to God. He was being obedient to God. Moses, instead of getting mad and saying, well, I'm just, you know what, I'm taking my ball and bat, I'm just getting out of here, I go back to Egypt. (laughs) I'll go back to tended sheep. I got so discouraged with these people, 
I'll just go back to tending sheep. No, he showed a love for the people, the leaning of the Lord, and he learned to be content. Just like Jesus, when he was going through trials and temptations and struggles, as we're learning about, as we're going through Mark, we see in 1 Peter 2, 23, who when he was reviled, what did he do? Get upset? Get mad? No, reviled out again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And dear friend, what do you do when you're going through difficulty? Get mad? Get upset? Post something crazy on Facebook or TikTok? Well, kids, TikTok, if you have it, I hope you don't. But what do you do? No, dear friend, you trust in him that judges righteously. You trust in him that judges righteously. Hey, they were going to stone Moses, but there are stonings throughout the Old Testament. David, Ziklag, remember, they took the, they took the, the enemies of, 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 of God and of David, took their wives, and, they, and they, the men that were with them, they were so faithful, they got so upset that their wives and children were gone, they gathered stones and were going to kill him. And what did, what, did, what did David say? Well, I'm just giving up. I'm just going to go, you know, back to Bethlehem. No, you know, you know what he did? The Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes, dear friend, God will bring you to a place when there, no one is for you, only God is with you. You know what? That's, that's a pretty lonely place. That's exactly where Jesus was. He got to the place there were very few people with him. All the crowds have said, Messiah, hallelujah. When they came into Jerusalem, they were all gone. Those same crowds said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The closer you get to the cross, the thinner the crowd is going to be. But sometimes it's just you and Jesus. But dear friend, let me remind you tonight that you and Jesus are majority. <laughs> if it's just Jesus and you, then happy it be. If friends forsake you, okay. If family fail you, okay. Foes are against you, that's for sure. <laughs> but if it's just Jesus and you, you got the majority. Because your God's a big God. You're the, you're the, you have the same God that, you, that was used by, in the Old Testament that parted the Red Sea. You have the same God that created the whole universe in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Adonorum at Shechem. Jesus, they believe, while he was on the Via Dolorosa, was people threw rocks at him. Of course, Stephen and Paul, all, all was thrown rocks at him. People throwing rocks at you? I'm not talking about physical rocks. I hope not physical rocks. But I, how about how about emotional rocks? About you know, you know, words, sticks and stones may break my. Break our bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie that is, right? Maybe people hurl words at you that hurt you. And the temptation, you know what the temptation is? To hurl words back. You said something to me, I say something, to, <laughs> I say something back. Well, the temptation for Moses, I, I'm out here in the wilderness of sin. Yes, God has led you. You're chiding me. You're mad at me. You're, you're no good. Well, that's the temptation, right? What you said to me, now I'm going to say it back to you. And if you start that, where does it end? Well, as I've said before, then you go to your mother, your father, your brother, you start blaming each other, then it just goes nowhere. And then they, the basic of the world says, well, you're just like the rest of everybody else. Yeah, you're right. At that moment, the best thing to do when you're upset and frustrated and people aren't doing what they should be doing is say no to temptation. 
I said, preacher, how can I say no to temptation? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, there's no temptation taken you as such as common to man. But God is faithful. Do you believe that? But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able. Will with the temptation also make it a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When you're chided, when you're blamed for the problem, it's your issue, it's your struggle, it's your fault. You know what you're going to say? Praise God and turn around and walk the other way. Sometimes the best thing to do is just walk away. You don't have to be right. And you don't always have to answer. You, know, you bring it to God. Bring it to God. Warren Wiersbe said it. When God permits his children to go through the furnace of affliction, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. An old seaman said, in fierce storms we can do but one thing. This one way to survive must be put the ship in a certain position and keep her there. Richard Fuller wrote, this Christian is what we must do. Sometimes, like Paul, you can neither see, neither see sun nor stars nor small tempest lies, lies ahead of you. Reason cannot help you. Past experiences give you no light. Only a struggle, sing, only a single course is left. You must stay upon the Lord and come at what may, whether it be winds or waves or cross or seas or thunders or lightnings or frowning rocks, roaring breakers, no matter what, you must... You must lash yourself to the helm and hold fast your confidence in God's faithfulness and his everlasting love. Hold fast to that. Hold fast to that. Beloved, if you're in the water, waterless, if you're waterless in the wilderness, running on empty in the verge of a panic attack, trust the God of all the ages to lead you through, as he has in the past. We see the inventory of water, the indignation of Israel, the intercession of Moses, but forth the instruction for the blessing. Verse 5 and 6, the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel, thy rod, and with thee thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee and upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come, out, come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did in the sight of the elders of Israel. The Bible says in Psalm 78, verse 15, he claved the rocks of the wilderness and gave them drink out of the, out of the great depths. He brought streams out, out of the rock and caused waters to run down the rivers. Psalm 114, 8, which turned the rock into standing water and flint into the fountain of waters. The Lord was demonstrating again, again, that in the greatest difficulties, he can open the fountain of blessing and provision when we expect it the least. He can open the fountain of blessing and provision when we expect it the least. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall bring spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and the rivers of the desert. The beasts in the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls. Behold, because I give the waters in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. You believe God will provide for you, protect you, help you? Psalm 78, verse 38, they remember that God was their rock and the high God, their redeemer. Psalm 91, verse 1, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. You know what are some of the best things that you can do as a Christian? When you're not sure what's going on, start singing praises to God as if he's already accomplished it. If, as if he's already done it. Because, dear friend, God... <laughs> His timing is not like our timing. We're like, okay, I want it yesterday. 
Remember, his timing is different. His way is always perfect. It's always perfect. Christ is the rock. He is the smitten rock. Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with stripes we were healed. He was smitten by his own whom he came to redeem. He was smitten in his spirit by deep ingratitude, bitter taunts, and the weight of our sins. He was smitten in his body by power and suffering from the crown of thorns to his punctured brow by the lacerating nails in his hands and feet from the cat of nine tails and the cut in his back, his side, his chest, from the agonizing death of crucifixion. Jesus was smitten for us. He had to be smitten in order that we would have the living waters of eternal life. The Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, the scripture saith, Out of his belly shall, shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus is a smitten rock from which flows the springs that save us. The, the, the springs that save us, the streams that satisfy, the fountain that fills us with joy unspeakable, the river that redeems us and revives us. From Jesus, we enjoy all these things. Don't try to quench your thirst on the puddles of this world. They won't satisfy you. There's no satisfaction in the paste pearls of this world. Do not chase them. Do not go after them. Oh, they'll thrill you and chill you for just a few moments, but after a little while, they'll be gone and leave you hopeless, hapless, and helpless. That's what sin will do to you. You chase immorality. You're chasing paste pearls. You're, you're, you're chasing money and, making, and wanting to make that your master. You're chasing that which cannot satisfy you. I heard a story of a little brother and sister who went to spend summer with grandma and grandpa. And grandpa made a slingshot, gave it to the little, little boy. and said, little boy, now be careful now. You can, you can use this slingshot, but don't be, don't be aiming it at people and don't be aiming it at the pets, the animals. Well, you know how the little boys are. He thought he could hit, he, he pulled back the slingshot and he hit it way over the pond and he hit a duck and killed the duck. He felt bad about it. But nobody was, he looked around, you know, first thing you look around, nobody's looking. Went back to the house and guess who saw the whole thing? Little sister. Said, hey, brother. He said, oh, no. Not her. And she said, guess who's doing my dishes this week? And guess who's going to play with my dolls this week? And guess who's going fishing with me this week? He said, no. He said, she said, remember the duck. <laughs> remember the duck. And for a week, he washed her dishes. For a week, he played with those dolls. For a week, he took her fishing. And finally, after a week, he said, I can't take this anymore. He went to Grandma, and Grandma said, Son, I knew what you did a week ago. <laughs> I saw you kill that duck. I wanted to see how long you would live in slavery to your sister. You know, we do the same thing, don't we? We do the very same thing. We live in slavery to our sin. We think, oh, nobody knows. But Satan knows. The world knows, the flesh knows, and we live in slavery to it. 
until we finally, finally, after so much pain and sorrow, we break down and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. But dear friend, you didn't have to live in slavery. The moment after you sinned, you could have cried out, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and you'd have forgiveness would have been just like that. Instantaneous forgiveness. But we suffer with our sin because we feel like we're not worthy of God's grace in our lives. Jesus Christ is a smitten rock that satisfies our thirst. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, In almost all things by the law, purged with blood, without the shedding of blood is no remission. Interesting enough, as you well know, in Numbers chapter 20, a similar incident happened. Almost 40 years at Kadesh, the people were out of water again. In Exodus chapter 17, we see the start of the journey. In Numbers chapter 20, the close of the journey. In Exodus chapter 17, they murmur at Moses. In Numbers chapter 20, they murmur at Moses and Aaron. In Exodus chapter 20, Moses was told to smite the rock. In Numbers chapter 20, he was asked to speak to the rock. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses was strong in faith and had self-control. But in Numbers chapter 20, after 40 years, Moses fails momentarily in faith and loses control. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses goes forward. But in Numbers chapter 20, Moses does not go forward into the promised land. Why was Moses to speak to the rock in Numbers chapter 20? Why was he... This uh, discipline severely and not allowed to go to the promised land. And every time I read this, I'm like, Lord Jesus, please give him one more chance. But it's not God's will. You see, remember the rock is a picture of Jesus Christ. Moses was to speak to the rock because it is a picture of Christ already been smitten once. It's, it was already smitten once. Jesus didn't need to die but once for the sins of all mankind. His work was complete on the cross. Romans 6, 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over them. For he that, is, that died, he died, died unto sin once. But he that liveth, he liveth unto God. Hebrews 9, 26, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin for the sacrifice of himself. Interesting, in, this, in Exodus chapter 16, the word rock means boulder. But in Numbers chapter 20, a different word for rock is used. It means a lofty, elevated rock. This rock that's spoken to and the rock that's smitten. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, dear friends, we recognize that we're going to go through trials as Christ was smitten. It's Christ went through trials. It's Christ went through problems. It's Christ was denied. It's Christ was falsely accused. It's Christ was crucified. We are going to go through troubles and trials and difficulties. That's why the apostle admonishes us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he's talking to Christians, be ye steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He said, Preacher, nobody said, nobody said, thank you, thank me, thank you when I did this, or I cooked that, or I fixed this, or I said that, or I went there. No one said thank you. Dear friend, your thanks is not here, your thanks is up there. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. God sees everything you do. He's for you. He's for you. Keep on. Press on. 
the inventory of water, the indignation of Israel, the intercession of Moses, the instruction for blessing, and finally, as we close this evening, the immortalizing, immortalizing of the place. The immortalizing of the place. A new name was given to remember not the mercy of God's provision, but the sin of the murmuring of God's people. The name Massa became the name of the place. It was called temptation. They tempted God. The name Meribah became the name of the place, meaning strife or quarreling. They chided with Moses. They tempted God. Their remembrance of sin was kept to warn future generations to take heed, not to make the same mistake. Sin leaves a blot on the sinner. Yes, thank God is cleansed, but there will always be that time in remembrance of the past, of the temptation, the striving, the quarrel. But you know what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, he's, he, he is in the light, and we have no fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. Then cleanses from a little bit of sin. Then then cleanses from half sin. Then cleanses from three-quarter sin. Cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Because his love for us, we can have peace knowing that we are waterless in the wilderness. He will take care of us in unexpected ways. When problems become, come in our lives as they surely will, we're going to have to choose to respond. Chide? Chide with Moses? Get upset? Tempt the Lord, blame others, murmur, allow problems to come in your life. Oh, woe is me. How is God going to take care of this? How can he fix this? Oh, it's too big a problem. I see no way out. Is that going to be your response? Or are you going to trust in God? You're going to trust in God. That his way is perfect. The other night, Brother Jimmy said, Hey, Marty, I believe your, uh, or Pastor, I believe your tail light's out in your wife's car. I said, yeah, that's another, another thing to do on my list to do. <laughs> I think, okay, how am I going to fix this? Got to take it down, go, go there, go there, fix this, go that. Nah, I was able to take two screws out, get the bulb out, take it down to Advanced Auto. I was going that way, took it in, talked to a lady. Well, before I got in there, there was a gentleman and a lady up front, and they were taking a little smoke break. Manager comes out and says, two, you two can't be here at the same time. Y'all, one of y'all get in there. And I'm walking into all that. Hello, how you doing today? <laughs> and I walk in there, and the lady waits on me. She says, this is only my fifth day, and nobody's taught me anything. I said, OJT? She said, what's that? On job training. On job training. She starts talking about her issues, about her problem. I just want a bulb. <laughs> Can I get the light bulb? <laughs> Can I get the light bulb, light bulb, you know, 2018 Sonic. Uh, can you go there, look at this, fix this? I just need the bulb. I just need a bulb. Then I, we start talking about spiritual things and problems and issues and struggles that she's having in her life. And I get the bulb and I walk outside. She said, hey, can I come talk to you a little bit more? I said, sure, come on out. Went to the place first place that I saw her where she was taking her smoke break. She was talking about issues and struggles and spirituality and about how things, even as an unsaved person that I perceived, believe that all things work out for good. I said, that's, 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 that's an interesting concept. I said, there's a man, a gentleman that I know. He fell from a roof, or what I thought was a roof, 
but it wasn't really a roof. Thank God it wasn't the roof. He hurt himself. This strong man that we all see is now going through these troubles and trials and difficulties. And I said to that man, Chuck, I said, God is doing all this for a reason and purpose, though I don't understand any of it. And he said, she said, really? I said, yeah, really. And I said, you know, at 17 years of age, Jesus Christ saved my soul. That was the greatest decision I ever made. And I didn't get to lead that young lady to Christ, but I, I gave her some seed so she could think about that day. What was the purpose of the bulb being out in my car? Maybe simply it was to give the gospel to a young lady at Advanced Auto. Don't think of your problems as ends to themselves. Think of them as possibilities and opportunities for ministry in your life. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We all go through times where we don't have water. We don't have the provision. We don't have the thing. We don't have the stuff. We want to complain. We want to chide. We want to get upset. We want to blame others, people, leaders. Oh, God, help us not to focus on the problem, but look for opportunities to praise God and to be a blessing to those around us, to give us opportunities to minister for problems are not just problems in, their, in themselves. They're a pathway for future blessings if we allow them to be. Dear friend, I hope tonight as you're sitting there that you know Christ is your Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. If you're here tonight trusting in being good or the son of or the parent of, the friend of, or a Baptist, or a Methodist, or a Catholic, or membership, or baptism. There's no salvation in that. Your salvation is only in Jesus Christ alone. He is the smitten rock. He's the one who died for our sins so we could have everlasting life. And he died not just for one person, but for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here tonight and you don't, know, you don't know Christ as your Savior, are you not sure if you died today you go to heaven, would you be saved tonight? Why wait? You didn't come here tonight by accident. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you're here tonight. Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? I, I need to be saved. Would you pray that I'd be saved? Anybody like that tonight? I'm not a Christian. I want to be saved. Anybody like that tonight at all? I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Christian, how are you doing? Problems come in your life? Maybe this last week. Maybe today. Have you chided? Have you complained? Have you murmured? Have you got upset? Have you blamed individuals? Did you get mad at God? Get mad at a person? Or did you recognize that God has a way, either, even in waterlessness, God has a way. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. Will you trust him? Will you trust him this evening? Preacher, I've been struggling. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's some other issue. I've been struggling. I'm struggling with murmuring, complaining, chiding. Would you pray for me? I recognize that I'm wrong. Tonight, would you pray for my name? Be honest this evening. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Someone else. I'm struggling. You know, dear friend, all of us, if we're honest, struggle here. 
The children of Israel struggled. We struggled. Preacher, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling. I'm struggling. As the music plays, we were standing to our feet. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can come see Brother Clayton. He'd love to take your Bible and show you how you can be saved. If you're a Christian, you're struggling in your relationship with God, murmuring, complaining, bitter, upset, angry, mad. Things aren't going the way I think they should go. My work, my boss, my friend, my husband, my wife, my co-worker, my, my, my. Are you mad? Are you upset? Oh, give it to God. Give it to God this evening. Ask Him to help you, strengthen you, and use it. Use what you're going through for God's reason, God's purpose, to help you minister to others down the way. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God this evening.